Luke 17 prophesies in the last days, societal conditions will be just like when God destroyed Sodom with fire and brimstone. Well, are we there? Well, I'm afraid so. And we will discuss this end time prophecy on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. My question is, has America lost her fear of God? Ecclesiastes 8, 11 through 13 says... Because sentence against an evil work, somebody's sinning, and because that sentence is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. The Bible says, though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him, but it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days, which are as the shadows. And this is very important because he feareth not God. Folks, we have to have a fear or a reverence for the things of God, for the word of God, for the spirit of God. What does God think? In every situation, that's the question we should ask. And because of societal conditions, things going on in America, it appears that God will soon be forced to judge America. He has no choice. Consider Pride Month and the things that are going on this month to glorify and to celebrate the LGBTQ plus agenda that's being pushed here in America and that community. And I've seen my wife shared with me a a video over the weekend or maybe the end of last week where many preachers that I could call their name, I won't do that, but I could call their name, many of you would know them, that were asked on different interviews, hey, Do you believe homosexuality is a sin? Can a homosexual LGBT community, can they make it to heaven? And you should have seen these preachers and different people, uh, influential religious individuals that just started dancing around the issue rather than saying, hey, the Bible says this. So the question becomes, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? This is what we want to know because we're talking about a reverence or a fear of God. The things that pertain to God, God's word. That's what we ought to be concerned about. It's not a person 
what a person feels or a lifestyle choice. But it's what does the word of God say? Because we're all talking about eternal consequence here. In the Old Testament, the Bible says, if a man also lie with mankind as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's Leviticus 20, 13. You say, well, no, that's just in the Old Testament. Well, what does it say in the New Testament? The Bible says, for this cause, God gave them unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. That's Romans 1, 26 through 28. So my point today is, is America, is that where we're at here in America? Is that people would just say, I don't fear God anymore. I'm going to do whatever I want. That's a scary position to be in, everybody. But concerning the end times and Bible prophecy, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be the same way in the days of the Son of Man, that they ate, drank, married uh, wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. The Bible says, even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. That's Luke 17, 26 through 30. Now, you as well as I, if you've been in church any time at all, from a, I've been in, going to church since I was a child. And from these verses, I've heard many sermons preached that life will be business as usual until the day the Lord returns as a thief in the night. And the ministers were not wrong in doing that. I mean, Scripture does tell us, for many, that that is exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be just kind of life as usual, and then the Lord's going to come as a thief in the night. However, I want to focus on the more ominous aspect of this prophecy. Of all the stories in the Old Testament, think about this. Why did God choose to have Luke use these two to describe the societal conditions that would precede the return of the Lord. In both instances, even though he loved them, God was forced to judge and then destroy human beings. And it was not the fact that they were just sinners. If that were the case, God would have destroyed pretty much most of the, if not all the cities in Lot's day, right? So it was not the fact that they were just sinners. No. There was something about the way that these two populations of people lived, which forced God to wipe them out, except for the righteous. In Noah's case, it was the earth's entire population was wiped out by the flood, except for Noah and his family. But in Lot's case, it was the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, except for Lot and his family. 
So what would compel a living God? We need to ask ourselves this. In America in 2021, what would compel a loving God? To, the Bible says his mercy endureth forever, right? But what would compel a loving God to slay thousands upon thousands of people? And so that's the question we need to ask here in America because we're celebrating something this month that kind of ties back into those societal conditions back in Noah and Lot's day. So we're coming up to a break. When we get back from the break, we're going to get deep off into this topic because I want to know, because I'm living in America in 2021, and we've got to talk about it. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one, Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith. In the hearts of Christians around the world, we will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. So we're going to get deep into this topic today. Before we do that, I've got a real quick announcement. This coming Saturday night, Sunday morning, I'm going to be in Burton, Michigan. And I'll be at the South Flint Tabernacle. That's at G3550 South Saginaw Street in Burton, Michigan. Uh, this is going to be Saturday night at 6 p.m. I'll be doing the, the future according to Bible prophecy, uh, the big timeline we put together. And then on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I'll be going through the breaking prophetic fulfillments and we'll have a Q&A session after that with the audience. So you'll get to ask questions from the floor and uh, it'll be awesome. You guys will love it. That's probably one of the most popular uh, sections of our prophecy conferences. And so look forward to seeing you. If you're anywhere near the Burton, Michigan area, South Flint, um, join us for this conference coming up. All the information is at the End Time website, endtime.com, under events and then conferences. 
uh, check out this weekend and upcoming conferences. So I look forward to seeing you guys at the South Flint Tabernacle this weekend. So the question again, really quick, what compelled a loving God to slay thousands and thousands of people? Well, in the days of Noah, um, and well, in the days of both Noah and Lot, the two stories that Luke used, communal lifestyles began, became so sinful that God was compelled to judge them. He said, hey, don't do these things. You talked about it in the Bible. Do not do these things. But yet, they, people did them anyway. They had no fear of God. They could care less. We're going to do what we want. And it became so bad and so debaucherous that God said, I can't take it anymore. I've got to go down and judge them. Back in the days of Noah, Bible says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts, they pretty much did whatever they want. If it feels good, I'll do it. Doesn't matter what the Bible says. Doesn't matter what God thinks. We're going to do whatever we want. The Bible says every imagination and the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he even made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. The earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked up upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them from the earth. That's Genesis 6, 5 through 7 and Genesis 6, 11 through 13. And then the Bible says, and the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters. Genesis 17, 18. And the Bible says all flesh died and moved upon the earth. The both fowl, cattle, beast, every, every creeping thing that creeped on the earth and every man. And so that's Genesis 17 through 21. Of course, Lot and seven other people were saved. Lot, his wife and his family, daughters and sons-in-laws. So eight people total were saved out of that. Because the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was an upright man. He wasn't doing all these different sins and things everybody was doing. Noah had a fear of the Lord and God spared him. Well, in the days of Lot, Bible says in Genesis 13, 13, both the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said, because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. Because their sins is very grievous that I will go down now and I will see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it. It was so bad that there was a cry coming up to the Lord out of it. And he said, which is coming to me. And if not, then I will know. That's Genesis 18, 20 through 21. Then the Bible says that the Lord reigned upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. That's Genesis 
19, 24 through 25. So according to Luke, just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, societal conditions will be just as it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot. Yes, people will be living life as normal. But this is only part of the prophecy. In the end time, sinful lifestyles will so permeate society. Now, consider America. There are those in America that are celebrating the lifestyles that were going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. How do you think God looks at that? A lot of people, most people are not even asking that question. It's just like, let's just support these and let's just celebrate them. And it's an agenda that's being pushed in America. You understand? But what does God think, everybody? A lot of people don't even think to ask that. But God will have no choice but to judge those who celebrate this, participate in and propagate those sins. Read your Bible. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah disregarded God's definition of a moral lifestyle by yielding to every sexually perverted desire. God defined a marriage between a male and a female. That's God's design for a perfect marriage. Male female. Not anything else. There's only one definition in the Bible for a marriage. Just one. The Bible says, and don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were, ki- which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perser- perversion. Not just homosexuality. But God frowns. Well, he does more than frown. He's going to judge every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities, the Bible says, were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. That's Jude 1 verse 7. So, the prominent sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was the sin of homosexuality. This is where the word sodomy comes from. You say, well, Dave, this is kind of an uncomfortable topic today. It can be for a lot of people. And because a lot of people have given themselves over to this kind of stuff. And, and not just that, but other kinds of sexual perverse sins. And so we need to talk about it because the Bible says in the end times that this, these sins will permeate society. And we're watching this happening in America right now. I mean, four or five decades ago, this would have been unheard of to have parades Celebrating this. In Genesis 18 and 19, God sent two angels to lead Abraham's nephew Lot and his family out of Sodom before it was destroyed. And the men of the city, being aware of the two male guests that were visiting Lot there, they surrounded the home and demanded that the men be made available for them for homosexual acts. And Lot offered his two virgin daughters to the men, but they refused them because they were bound by their lust for desires for men. And this is how the sin of homosexuality became referred to as 
sodomy. Now, again, I told you, my wife shared a video with me the end of last week of individuals that you would know in the religious community that were asked, do you believe homosexuality is a sin? Do you believe homosexuality, homosexuals can make it to heaven? And they did everything they could not to answer that question on television or on the radio. And, but the question is simple. It's found in the book, in the Bible. How do we know homosexuality is a sin? Because God's moral book, the definition of morals, Hollywood's not our definition of morality, everybody. God's book is our moral definition and which we all are going to be judged by in the end. And that book declares homosexuality a sin. Just like lying, cheating, adultery, uh, thievery, uh, many other sins, a plethora of sins. But homosexuality is a sin. It's a chosen lifestyle. If a man, the Bible says, if a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. In the Old Testament, the Bible says in Leviticus 20, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's uh, Leviticus 20, 13. So what was Luke? If we consider Luke's prophecy, what was Luke's prophecy telling us when he states, but the same day the Lord went out of Sodom and Gomorrah, that lot went out of Sodom and Gomorrah, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be when the Son of Man is revealed. Luke 17, 29 through 30. Well, just prior to the second coming of Jesus, there will be an increase in every anti-God, anti-Bible, immoral sexual act in society. Things that would be unspeakable. People are going to give themselves over to that. But not only that, there will be people that are celebrating those acts. And I'll get to that, how that's going on in our society in a huge way right now. You say, well, that's over in uh, a Middle Eastern country or, uh, well, no, it wouldn't be going on in a Middle Eastern country, but in some of these other liberal countries that just let that stuff run rampant and no, no, I'm talking about the United States of America, everybody. In 2021, we're supposed to be getting more um, intelligent and more, uh, you know, progressive as a society. But people are giving themselves over to things that are 100% anti-God and people are celebrating them for that. So let's talk about legalized, legalized sodomy in America. And, you know, I used to think, mm, I, I read those scriptures and I thought, nah, that, that, there's, that can't happen in America. No way. There will never be a time when America will be as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah. Ne- never. You know, maybe in some far off country, not here in America. Well, 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 boy, I mean, have I been wrong about that? I mean, we've seen this country do an about face when it comes to biblical centric lifestyles. I mean, uh, 
there's been, uh, in, in the past, there's been an effort to promote Pride Month. I mean, we're going through that right now. Facebook posted a video uh, on my page. This happened this weekend, everybody. Facebook posted a video on my Facebook page of same-sex couples hugging and uh, the, do, you know, promoting the alternative family and so on. And so I replied a message of hope. I said, hey, you know, Jesus could rescue folks out of that lifestyle if you would turn to him. And I posted our, what do you mean born again brochure on there. And I will tell you, within just a few hours, every time I received, uh, every time I did that, I received a response from Facebook that I had violated their community standards on spam. So it was okay for them to post on my Facebook page. I'm a Christian man. It was okay for them to post an LGBTQ ad on my page. But it was not okay. It went against their standards and they cut it for me to go on there and say, hey, God can save you out of this. Here's a what do you mean born again brochure. Be born again and you can move out of that lifestyle. I've seen a lot of people do that. But they didn't want that. So they cut it all and sent me a message saying, hey, you voided our community standards. Don't do that. And guess what? I kept doing it. And they kept sending me them. And I kept doing it. And they kept sending them to me. Because I thought, if it's okay for them to send me the ad, it's okay for me to post our What Do You Mean Born Again brochure on there. And it happened again today. And I posted the brochure on there again today. You say, well, you don't love them people. I absolutely do. I have a family member that's in the LGBTQ community. I love them. And in an effort to help them, I'm going to tell them the truth. The LGBTQ plus is agenda driven in America. You have to understand this. From the early, uh, from the early 60s, okay, until now, America has taken a moral nosedive. Up until 1960, think about this. It was illegal in all 50 states to commit the act of sodomy. In 2021, it's celebrated and we have parades and we hang rainbow flags from our U.S. embassies and they put uh, rainbow colored lights on our White House. And that was illegal in up until 1960. So, yes, we've taken a moral nosedive in America. And I'll show you how we did that and how people are promoting it. And how we can come out of that when we get back from the break. There is an answer to all of this. And there is an answer to that lifestyle. And we'll talk about it on the other side of the break. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel when you subscribe to end of the age plus today for just $12.99 a month you can watch all of our content in a secure easy to view way from your favorite device 
When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Now, I, I don't have time to go into all of the events that have gotten us from 1960 to where we're at now. But I want you to consider one point of interest. Before the Obama presidency, there were really many cracks in the dam which held back this full onslaught of sexually perverse, non-biblical lifestyles in America. But during the Obama, his tenure... As president, the entire dam was actually removed. I mean, like I said, prior to 1960, it was against the law to commit the act of sodomy in all 50 states. But over time, many things contributed to the dissolving of those laws. However, the crowning achievement was the complete legalization of this act under the Obama administration. Barack Obama was inaugurated to his first term as president as of the United States on January 20, 2009. That same year, at the annual conference of the LGBT, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, um, he, he cleverly called, it's, the organization is cleverly called the Human Rights Campaign. President Obama was the featured speaker. And his remarks really to, to, to Christians, I should say, and to many others probably, They were absolutely shocking. He said, you will see a time in which we as a nation, he's talking about America here, finally recognize relationships between two men and two women as just as real and admirable as relationships between a man and a woman. On um, May 9th, 2012, President Obama openly endorsed gay marriage when he said, I've just concluded that for me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. And then, of course, finally, under the Obama administration, same-sex sodomy, marriage, was legalized in every state on June 26th, 2015. And folks, this is a direct violation of God's word. But remember, I talked about the fear of God as the beginning of wisdom. But there are those that have lost their fear of God. I mean, so consider this. God defined marriage between one man, 
one woman. All the way back in the book of Genesis. Genesis 2, 24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God also told Moses that sodomy was a sin in the Old Testament. Uh, Leviticus 18, 22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's an abomination. And then the Apostle Paul addressed the sin of homosexuality in the New Testament. He said, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did uh, change the natural use that is um, into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Again, that's Romans 26, uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. So this passage says that God gave them ungodly up to vile affections. Then the scripture describes what God referred to as vile affections. He said men burning uh, in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly. Then verse 28 states that people that don't like to retain God in their knowledge because they don't want to be corrected by him or they don't fear him. The passage says that as a result of that attitude, God turned the homosexual and those that justify homosexuality over to the reprobate mind. Now, a reprobate mind is one that embraces a lie so strongly until it actually comes to believe that that lie is the truth. An example of this is a person believing two men can be a family. That's impossible. No matter how you twist it, turn it, shake it, two men can't make a family. Everybody knows that. It's impossible. And yet, because people want to justify vile affections and give same-sex relationships a cloak of legitimacy, they close their eyes to truth and say that two men or two women should be married so they can be a family. People who embrace homosexuality, according to the Bible have been turned over to a reprobate mind. Does anybody think God was not watching when the Supreme Court of the United States of America under the Obama administration approved same-sex marriages? Well, I can assure you that he was. God sees everything. Nothing's a secret from God. The very actions and vile atmosphere which caused God to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah have now been legalized And is celebrated in the United States of America. And some have fooled themselves into believing God is not going to judge these actions. And folks, he may not judge them today or tomorrow. But he will. He has no choice. So you say, well, I mean, you know, saying America's modern day Sodom, that's pretty strong, right? Well, that's a question we need to ask. Is modern day America Sodom? The legalization of same-sex marriages has emboldened the LGBT community to force their lifestyle on the whole of society. I mean, one example would be the anti-discrimination laws that keep Christians from exercising their religious freedoms by not participating in their debauchery. Um, And that's not all. 
churches are ordaining members of the LGBT community to occupy their pulpits while condoning their sinful lifestyles. Homosexuals are celebrated in parades across the nation during Pride Month. You've seen it all during since June 1. Schools are being forced to teach the role of contrib- and contributions of LGBTQ people in the history of this country. Transgender men are winning championships, participating in women's sports. I mean, there's an LGBTQ person in just about every sitcom and movie that's coming out of Hollywood. And now uh, we've got the president of the United States and his administration. They're pushing for a man who identifies as a woman to use ladies' restrooms and locker rooms. I mean, the list goes on and on, everybody. Now, I know that sounds as if I'm sensationalizing, but I I don't have to. I mean, that's a reality. I mean, this is our America. And it's almost unbelievable until you read the news. Uh, Let me go through a few news headlines from over the last week or two. The PM uh, reported that a biological male will compete in the women's weightlifting for New Zealand in Tokyo, in the Tokyo Olympics. He's, he's actually competed in weightlifting championships for men before. But now he decided that he's a woman and they're going to allow him to participate on the women's New Zealand team in the Tokyo Olympics. Breitbart reported that in Pride Month that Sesame Street has, you know, Bert and Ernie and all those guys, the Cookie Monster, they've now introduced a gay male couple for Family Day. Sesame Street, everybody. The Christian Post has said that a Baptist church had or has just ordained a first known transgender pastor in the denomination's history. Yahoo said that celebrate Pride Month uh, with Legos, the toy, Legos. They have a colorful new Everyone is Awesome set. MSN reported that along with other companies that have special products designed to support the LGBT community would be Old Navy. The Skittles candy has pride packs. Disney's rainbow colored Mickey Mouse ears uh, and their hats. Uh, Ugg has rainbow shoes. Mattel's rainbow, the Uno game, is now a rainbow for this month. Uh, PetSmart come out with a rainbow dress for pets. Doc Martin shoes have rainbow shoes. Levi's have rainbow shirts. TGI Fridays has a rainbow cake. People's newspaper reported that the North Haven United Methodist Church uh, celebrates Pride Month. They had parades and different things. The Daily Pilot, St. James Episcopal Church in Newport Beach, celebrates Pride Month in June. The CNS News said that the U.S. Embassy to the Vatican was flying a a rainbow flag, a gay rainbow flag at the start of the LGBTQ Pride Month. Now, folks, uh, there are hundreds and hundreds of these articles. This is just the tip of the iceberg. However, I I think you kind of get the point, right? This is a very recognizable increase. There is a very recognizable increase in LGBTQ activity in America. 
And they may only be a small percentage of the population, but they're not ashamed to push their agenda. You know, is this the future of America? I mean, will, will Christians be intimidated like Facebook's trying to do to me? Hey, Dave, you, you know, <coughs> you violated our uh, community standards in Facebook. Will Christians be intimidated into silence? To where we, you, that you, some, people, some people are afraid to talk about it. And allow America to become another Sodom, forcing God's judgment upon us. I mean, if we continue the present course, God's going to have no choice but to judge us. Fortunately, it does not have to end like that. There is hope. Not if America can get back to what made it great in the first place. Can America regain, regain her greatness? Yes, we can. I mean, more than 100 years ago. Let me go through a little bit of history because you need to understand this. It was well. It was over 100 years ago. Alexis de Tocqueville, a, he's a famous French political philosopher. He authored the now famous Democracy in America. He visited our nation to uncover the secret to our greatness. And he traveled from town to town, talking with people, asking questions, examining every facet of our society. Well, when he returned back to France, he wrote these amazing words. He said, and I'm quoting, I sought for America's greatness, and I found it not in her fields and in her forests. I found it not in her mines and in her factories. I found it not in her Congress or her great tribunals. But it was only when I entered into her churches and held and heard her pulpits thundering against sin and preaching righteousness that I discovered the secret of America's greatness. And then he said, America is great because America is good. If America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Of course, de Tocqueville's conclusion agrees with the Bible. Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So, is there any hope? Absolutely there's hope. We're never without hope, folks. Will America follow the path of the Roman Empire, decaying and finally collapsing from within? Or can America pull back from the brink of total moral collapse? And rediscover those principles that originally made America the greatest nation on the planet. Well, there is a precedent in history for a nation to recover after teetering on the brink of spiritual bankruptcy. And it's, it was in, over in Europe when revolution was really sweeping through Europe back in the late 18th century. And the same societal conditions that gave birth to the French Revolution were coursing through Great Britain. And we'll talk about it in great detail when we get back. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. You know, in the late 18th century, when we're talking about Great Britain, really morally, the country was becoming increasingly decadent. Drunkenness was rampant. Uh, gambling was so extensive that one historian described England as one vast casino. And Bishop Berkeley, he wrote that morality and religion in Britain had collapsed to a gr- degree that was never known in any Christian country. And it was in that atmosphere that George Whitfield and John Wesley began to preach in the streets of England. And their red hot preaching ignited the dry, thirsty hearts of the people. The ensuing revival cut across denominational lines and touched every class of society. England itself was transformed by the revival. And in 1928, Archbishop Davidson wrote that Wesley practically changed the outlook and even the character of the English nation. Now, some historians have maintained that the revival so altered the course of of English history that it probably saved England from a major revolution. You say, well, okay, that's Great Britain in the 18th century. What about America? Could that happen in America? Absolutely it could. If spiritual revival could could come to England at the time of its worst moral depravity, surely it could happen in the United States. All is not lost. There is hope for everyone. But you've got to turn to God and start fearing Him. I mean... We can win this battle against the flood tide of moral decay. Quit worshiping Hollywood. Very important. People idolize these Hollywood stars and they're promoting this, promoting, promoting. Here's how you should live. We do not take our moral compass from Hollywood. Our moral compass should come from the Bible. And we we must do this. You know, by now it's obvious that the needed spiritual leadership will not come from our political leaders or from Hollywood. I mean, you know, to where then can we look for leadership, right? Well, here's my question. Are there any true men and women of God left? Are they all just trying to produce the biggest congregations? Or are there any left that are not for sale who will preach the whole Bible? even if it costs them their lives eventually. If there are any out there, it's time to stand up now. Tomorrow is going to be too late. So preachers, you are America's only hope. The Bible says God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preachers, pray your hearts hot. Preach with conviction and compassion. Go to your, go to your knees. Get a message fr- straight from God. And get in your pulpit and give that message. The people that love the truth, they're longing to hear it. 
and, and they're so disillusioned with rampant religious prostitution. That's really what it is. I know there are some that do not want to hear it, but the ones that matter, the ones who love the truth and are starving for true men of God who will set the trumpet to their lips and set their pulpit on fire. I stood in a pulpit and did a prophecy conference at the first part of this year. And the guy's pulpit had been painted, but a lot of the paint was wore off. I mean, it was like he had beat the pulpit and the fire of God had come across the pulpit and it was just awesome. And I told him so many times, I love your pulpit. It's all worn down and beaten. And you can tell somebody's been preaching the word of God with fervor in that pulpit. You know, when the final history of America is written, is it going to record the destruction of a people who did not like to retain God in their knowledge? What does your word, what does your word say, O oh Lord? I mean, will history speak of a people that apologize for acknowledging God and making him the center of our nation? Or will our history tell about the spiritual awakening that swept this one nation under God? Will it tell of the nation that refused to uh, remove in God we trust from our money? Is it going to speak of a nation that was willing to speak the truth in love, trying to save people? That's the goal. But you, the Bible tells us you got to preach against sin. Not, not sidestep when somebody on an interview asks you a question. Is this a sin? You say, yes, it is a sin. Here's the scriptures. Sodomy was wrong in the Old Testament. And it was wrong in the New Testament. And folks, in 2021, it's still wrong. You say, well, what's the answer? Well, our only answer is a genuine spiritual revival. I mean... When America embraces the Bible as the word of God, and we've got to do that once again, and and we've got to recognize our extreme need of Jesus Christ in all of our lives, he will help us turn this country around. I love a pastor that will stand in the pulpit and just preach it straight because I want to go to heaven. And if God gives him a message for Dave Robbins, I want you to tell me straight on. Don't pull any punches because if I need to change something, I want to change it because I want to go to be where Jesus is. Say, well, what can we do? Well, looking back over the history of this great nation, it's really pretty easy to see what's needed. America's got to have a spiritual revival. There have been revivals that have swept America. Consider Azusa Street and some of the others. This can be achieved really in a few simple steps. I mean, number one, America's got to go back to church. I mean, only approximately 20% attend a church weekly. You know, we need to become a prayerful nation at home, in our schools, courthouses, government institutions. You say, well, I mean, hey, I pray. I'm not talking about over your Thanksgiving dinner. I'm talking about a daily hot prayer life. Will you get in touch with God and you say, God, I need your help every day. Preachers need to preach the Bible without compromise. I mean, if you see sin creeping into your church, don't be ashamed or intimidated. Preach against it. You're there as a a man of God to say, look, I'm trying to get you to heaven. This is a flock. I've been put as the shepherd over this flock. And some things we can't do if we're going to make it to heaven. You say, well, half my congregation is going to get up and walk out. Well, I mean, then that means they don't believe the word of God, right? Do it in love, but you've got to preach the truth. 
I mean, I am 52 years old. I've been going to church since I was nine years old. You know what kept me going to church? A pastor named Irvin Baxter that got up and he taught it straight as an arrow. And I thought, you know what? There's something to this message this guy's teaching that's different than any other thing I'm hearing on this earth. And all my entire life, I could not escape that message. No matter what I did, I made mistakes, sure. But I couldn't escape the truth that I was taught by Irvin Baxter my entire life. And I'm 52 years old today. And I've got that so ingrained in me. I mean, it's like sewn into the fiber of my being. And so I've, if I want to make it to heaven, I've got to hold on to that truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth. There are not 500 different truths, everybody. There is the truth. And that's the way to make it to heaven. I mean... What would be awesome and what really needs to happen is that Congress needs to reinstitute the Bible as the standard on which we base our laws and stop relying on Hollywood to set our moral compass. And we should revise our textbooks and adhere to biblical teachings. We shouldn't be teaching things like evolution. No, it's, it, the Bible teaches creation. That's what we should be teaching. I mean, each of us should vote. And another thing, the Bible teaches homosexuality. All these things are a sin. But yet they're, they're, are, they're having, um, there's a lot of indoctrination in our schools today, public schools, that are pushing these agendas. Folks, you've got to know what your kids are being taught at school. Each of us should vote for uh, elect poli- to elect politicians based on their Christian character and biblical positions on issues. You say, well, very few of them have any biblical positions. Well, maybe if we started doing that, more of them would take on some biblical positions. America is at a historic crossroads right now. I mean, we need as much Jesus in our lives and in our American society as possible. We need a revival of the name of Jesus in America. I mean... Remember, God delivered the righteous out of Noah's day and out of Lot's day. I mean, if you will notice in those stories of the flood and that destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, God judged the sinner, but he also saved the righteous. You know, does Luke's prophecy mean that all is lost for those who are living in the LGBTQ lifestyle? No, it does not. God loves all sinners, regardless of what they have done. I mean, I'm, ta- I'm focused on the LGBTQ, but there's, there are a plethora of sins out there. But God died for homosexuals just like everyone else. However, just like every other sinner, they will need to be born again and come out of those sinful lifestyles. If not, they're going to be lost for eternity. Just like a liar, just like an adulterer, just like a thief or any other sin. You can't live in that lifestyle and expect to make it to heaven. That's not scriptural. The Apostle Paul preached hope to the LGBTQ community if they would be born again. He said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. He told them straight up, you guys aren't going to heaven. Then he said, and such were some of you. He was teaching to the church in Corinth. He said, such were some of you. 
You were, but you've been washed. You were, you've been sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. That's first Corinthians six, nine to 11. But notice the term and such were some of you. There is hope for every sinner folks. And we are believing for a great revival in America. I mean, in the end time, God's going to reward the saint and judge the sinner just as he, as he did in the days of Noah and Lot. He has no choice. But the key, my key point to you today is, this is very, very key. All is not lost. We can make America great again in Jesus' name. And if, if you're living in one of these lifestyles, I just, I just did this on Facebook over the weekend. If an individual is living in any kind of a sinful lifestyle, homosexuality, adultery, thievery, uh, you, you, you're a, a bad attitude. I mean, any kind of a sinful lifestyle. You can come out of that. There's hope for everybody. But you've got to turn to Jesus. You've got to make him your Lord and Savior. You must be born again according to the New Testament plan of salvation called being born again. Obey the gospel. And you say, well, I don't know what it means. What's it mean to be born again? I shared this brochure, I don't know how many times across the weekend on Facebook. We've got a brochure called, what do you mean born again? Call 1-800-END-TIME, ask for the brochure. What do you mean born again? We'll send you a free one. Go to endtime.com. All the way down at the bottom of the page, there's a question. What do you mean born again? Click on the question. It goes through everything in great detail. How is a person born again? It's very, very important. You can come out of this lifestyle, any sinful lifestyle, and you can be born again. You can make it to heaven. And we can have this awesome, wonderful, great revival in America. It's the end time revival, folks. We don't have a choice. We've got to have a spiritual revival in America. I'm believing for that. I'm praying for it. And I'm preparing for it. And we're going out into this world to tell people about the revival that's coming. Because it's prophesied. The greatest revival this world's ever known is ahead of us. And we've got to share the gospel of the kingdom of God, preparing the way, sowing the seeds for that revival. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.